Hello and Happy New Year. Well, here we are at that time again where we're thinking about a new year and making resolutions. And so I thought we'd spend a little time talking about that thing. And a lot of times we wonder why we keep going back to the things that we hate. So let's look at that. With a new year, of course, comes a new hope, a hope for something better. Often this is a time of reflection and self-assessment, which I think is a wonderful tra tradition. We resolve to break long-standing habits, and we resolve to make new habits. But more often than not, we fail to break these habits. So why do we keep going back to habits and mistakes that we hate? The answer, unfortunately, is not something that we want to hear. I don't think I've ever met a Christian that did not have a story about some flaw or flaws that they have or some temptation that repeatedly trips them up. They will talk about how frustrated they are and how much they hate this weakness in themselves, sometimes to the point that they have given up and just concluded that there's something in them that makes this error impossible for them to overcome. I've been there. I don't know about you. I've wrestled, I think, as much as anyone with those recurring temptations and the resulting sin. I have struggled to understand why I keep doing the things I hate. Why do I keep running back to those same things? What kind of madness draws me to things I hate? The answer, it turns out, is even uglier than the problem. As I've gotten older, I've realized that the magnetic power of these sins is not found in what I hate, but rather in what I secretly love. I've found that in every action or thought that I hate, there are elements that I love. It's like an addiction that starts in pleasure and ends with a destroyed life and family. It is the secret, selfish pleasures that destroy us, not the things we think we hate. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, according to Jesus in Matthew. There are many reasons to hide things, but in the end, we tend to hide the things we want to keep. This is why we fail to change, because as vile as these evils are, we know there is also a secret pleasure in them, or, at the very least, there is a certain utility in them. So how do we free ourselves from the things that flow from our own hearts? Well, let's ask John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation or satisfying payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So maybe 
instead of resolutions, maybe we should consider confession instead. But here, I'm not talking about the kind of after-the-fact type of confessions we usually make, but rather a confession of those desires that lead us to sin in the first place. The path to sin generally starts with a series of decisions based on self-serving desires. Then, as we progress down this path, we suddenly find ourselves in a place of seemingly overwhelming temptation. James says it this way, No one can say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So to live free, to walk free, we must be on our guard, not just against sinful actions, but we need to allow the Spirit of God to bring our desires under the scrutiny of the Spirit and the authority of Christ. We need to believe that the work of Christ on the cross not only paid for our sins, but set us free from the desires that lead us to sin in the first place. Paul says it like this, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Paul concludes this passage with these instructions. So, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So, faith is walking in the conviction that the death and resurrection of Jesus was enough. Faith is walking in the knowledge that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us to raise us up from our lower natures and those persistent desires that seem so overwhelming. These desires are in fact overwhelming for us on our own, but they are not too much for the power of God through the Spirit. And the sooner we give up on self-help programs and allow the grace of God to set us free, the sooner we will know true freedom. If self-help actually set us free, Jesus would not have needed to come to us as a baby, teach us, heal us, suffer for us and die for us. Jesus did this because it was the only way to save us. But we are not simply saved from some future judgment. We are saved from those things which make us slaves to sin now. 
Not forgiven to see if we can do better next time, but forgiven and empowered by the Spirit of God to walk in freedom, no longer slaves to our lower nature's desires. In writing this, God has taken me on a journey of self-examination that was both painful and liberating. After all, to leave behind something our lower nature loves is a loss that can be painful. But the peace and freedom that follows is amazing. I would like to invite you to join me in this new year on this journey to freedom. Let's skip making all the empty resolutions and wishful thinking, and instead let's push a bit deeper into why we do what we do and allow the Spirit of God to lead us into a truly new and blessed year of peace and joy, serving God and others with a conscience cleansed and a love empowered by the grace of God alone. Have a great week.